In the back room of a casino, a poker chip turned into a weapon. As the victim's luck runs out, they mark a playing card with blood. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's... Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case is Detective Academy Q, Episode 4, An Intent to Kill at the School Entrance Ceremony. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and no, Max is not short for anything. It's an acronym that stands for Mystery and Excitement. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky. Mike, what have you got for us today? Well, you know, I was thinking, uh, do, do, do I like this show? I haven't decided yet. How do you feel about it, Noah? I'm enjoying it. I'm definitely enjoying watching it. You know, we were watching it when I said, stop, let's let's talk about this as a podcast. There's like, there's quirkiness and amusing things. And it has a lot of the stuff that has made me like other mystery shows. So it's, a, it's just a question of how it all comes together. But I'm, I'm having enough fun watching it. Yeah, I'm hoping I end up liking it more. Because so far, I'm having more fun making fun of it than having fun with it. <laughs> but you all, it's also fun to make fun of things we like. That's true. Um, I hope that's so you two have not watched this show before? No. We, we stopped oh. at episode five to go back and do this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you this was like a favorite. The, okay. The genre is something we've certainly right. delved into right. quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, um, but and, not this particular show. And my theory about mystery anime being accessible because, like, we've all seen mysteries before means that, like, we'd be able to understand it and follow it. It doesn't mean that it'll necessarily be something that everyone will enjoy. <laughs> right. So we'll see. You heard a bit from our mystery guest. Let me go ahead and introduce her. Um, our mystery guest this episode, she's a 12-year veteran educator, and she hosts the Blue Sky Ed podcast, talking with other educators about uh, education, and we'll ask her about that. Uh, she's a comedian and member of the improv team Daddy Issues. In her free time, she also likes to discuss unsolved mysteries. Uh, and one time, she solved the mystery of where her newly adopted cats were hiding. Joining us is Kate Esposito. Hello. Yay. So happy to be here. We're happy to have you here. So did I accurately characterize your podcast? You're talking about kind of education issues and things along those lines. Yeah, yeah. I um, do not have as many episodes out as I would like, but I'm working on that. Um, It's the idea came from listening to a bunch of other podcasts that I really love with people interviewing each other and just having a conversation. And I realized there was kind of a gap with educators. Um, And I think that not enough people know what we do on a day-to-day basis and what it's really like. We know about education as a whole, but I met and have worked with some really amazing people. So I wanted them to be able to share their stories and kind of shed some light on what it is really like to work in education. I'm sure you'll have lots of interesting feedback on how the Don Detective School can improve their practices. (laughs) Oh, I have many many thoughts. You're also a comedian, member of Daddy Issues, but you, you mentioned... Unsolved Mysteries. So I'm going to go right into that because the question we always sure. ask is like, what degree people are partaking mystery media? So sure. and it, it, tell us about that. Tell us also like if you watch any TV shows, books, uh, audio, podcasts, mystery 
the whole boat across the board. I What's mean, your relationship? I think that to go into all the details, we would probably need another <laughs> hour of this podcast. Um, a tidbit that most people know, but not everybody, is that um, when I was in college, I very seriously considered working for the FBI for a significant amount of time. Um, and I was obsessed with like forensic psychology, serial killers, like all that stuff that a lot of people are. Um, eventually I decided that was a little too dark for my life to revolve around that kind of work, but, uh, I still am fascinated by it. So I have a group of friends who are also fascinated by all of those type of stories. And we have started doing a like murder group <laughs> every month where we come and like bring examples of like unsolved stories. Last time it was like unsolved disappearances. We're meeting tonight actually. And we're talking about weird towns where like a lot of like weird things have happened. So I'm talking about uh, Anchorage, Alaska. There have been like an unusual number of serial murders in Alaska. Um, so yeah, it's really morbid and I have a lot of uh, feelings about whether I should be as interested in this as I am, but it's the psychology that's fascinating. I am so glad that your uh, murder group is not a group of people who get to kill. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. We're we're all fans of the podcast, um, My Favorite Murder, which is the same type of people, like right. very fascinated, but definitely do not condone murder. We just watched for a second or possibly third time uh, Spider-Man Far From Home last night mm -hmm. and the character of MJ like one of her character traits is being morbidly fascinated like they bring up the Black Dahlia murder uh -huh. and they go to the bridge in Prague and she's like oh all these people were executed here it's great <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but as far as we're aware she doesn't murder people. no as far as we're aware she doesn't murder people I mean hopefully not but that's like a recognizable interest people have it is a lot of people find it fascinating but I am like slightly self-conscious because it seems a little morbid my you... mother is certainly into all those kinds of like unsolved mystery shows. Yeah, I, w I used to watch some of that stuff on court TV, which no longer exists because it's true TV. Uh, but there was some interesting stuff there. But do you think your interest lies more then in the vein of true crime rather than like Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock, oh, no. I don't know. I love it all. NCIS. I love it all. Um, I am a fan of mystery novels. I don't love all mystery novels because uh, I can be a bit of a snob about books. And sometimes I don't love books where like you don't get attached to the characters. And I feel like mystery novels are often like more about the plot than they are about the characters. Right. Um, but I have found a few series that I really like. Um, one favorite book is called Case Histories by Kate Atkinson. Atkinson, I think. And it's it's a really cool novel because there are three separate mysteries being investigated by this private investigator. But then at a certain point, they all sort of converge and there's like links between them. It's really good. It's a really, really good book. Yeah. And I apologize for bringing you in on this episode because yeah. uh, we wanted to talk to you about schools and not bring you in on an episode <laughs> with a full murder mystery. Well, you know, I'll come back. There will be a lot of those. It's great because that's one of the things we're discovering in talking to people is I'm like, oh, they would be a great fit for an episode where this sort of thing happens. Right. Like any actual <laughs> murder mysteries. <laughs> Here we are on episode four and uh, we've got one. The, the the pilot episode was kind of straightforward in that way. Um, and, you know, we're, we're skipping ahead a little bit. So we talked about mysteries. Let's talk about anime. How much have you watched? How much? What, what are your thoughts on anime? What, what do you know about it? That sort of thing. Um, I know very little about anime. I know many people who I like very much who like anime. My knowledge extends pretty much to like some episodes of Pokemon that I watched many, many years ago. And 
being in the same room as Nate, my roommate, <laughs> when he's watching anime, but like I'm not really watching it. So I have not seen much. I've never been particularly like drawn to it. I don't really know why. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's certainly not everybody's cup of tea. No, yeah. but it's not like a thing that I've act- actively thought like, yeah, I hate this. It's just like not a thing that I, when I'm sitting down to watch TV, I'm like, ooh, let me watch an anime. That's just not. Well, you're too busy investigating unsolved murders. Well, you know, there's only so much time in a day, so. So then I'm guessing you haven't seen any like detective anime or mystery anime before nope. this. Didn't even know that was a thing. It's interesting. Yeah, we talked a bit in our in our preview episode, but it kind of has the same root to some of our mystery stuff and that you can mm. trace it back to Sherlock Holmes stories, which became, you know, popular in Japan and then they wrote their own. That's sorry, that's that's interesting actually. I'm just thinking um when I was teaching abroad in China, um the like one of the holiday episodes of the TV show Sherlock came out. And it was, like, released in movie theaters. I wasn't expecting the, like, sheer adoration of Sherlock Holmes stories until I got there and they, like, put it in movie. It was, like, a TV special, but you could go to the theater and watch it. It was really interesting. Yeah, it's it's a thing. And we're doing a podcast about <laughs> it. Um, Mike, can you catch us all up? We're now on our third episode, so we're jumping into the fourth episode of this anime what what's been happening so far sure so we've uh, met our main character q he is a precocious idiot uh he's good at detective stuff and nothing else he met a bunch of fun characters with very specific skill sets uh they learned about a high school that you can go to to learn to be a detective and they all just happen to be uh graduating junior high so uh then we saw them go through the entrance exam and they all passed kind of maybe <laughs> Cool. So let's see what happens in this episode. So it starts with Q showing up for his first day of school. And he shoves his acceptance letter at the security guard. Yeah, that was really weird. (laughs) But it was characterized as weird. (laughs) It wasn't regular behavior, and no one thought it was. He's like, uh, the security guard's like, what are you doing here? He's like, look, I've got this letter here. Take it. And he runs away. And he goes inside and we get a first look at the school. And it's kind of vague and institutional, big and kind of imposing with the big DDS badge on the outside. And the other thing I noticed is that there's like, as you enter, there's this long road with trees on it. And in this episode and the following episode, I feel like we already have had like 10 scenes that take place with them just walking down this road with trees on it. And he meets up with his friends who are also early understand how they're all supposed to be the same age (laughs) like there's the one kid who is like the small one with the orange hat i don't remember any of their names i apologize that's okay i think he is supposed to be actually younger than okay it's not clear they when they first met him they were like he looks like he's in elementary school and they said he made a video game when he was in elementary school so it's not clear if he is still younger or if he's just you know looks younger so he might be some sort of genius who's like ahead of his age Maybe, yeah. Okay. and then, But then there's like a 30-year-old man in this group. What? <laughs> he's like way yeah. taller than them. He looks like he's supposed to be an adult, but he's graduated junior high. Yep. They're all starting their, their very first day of high school together. Uh, believe it or not. As a high school teacher, I feel like that was a little bit mischaracterized in terms of age. To be fair now, uh, high school is a three-year affair in Japan, so they're, like, supposed to be sophomore age. It shouldn't make that much of a difference. (laughs) Okay, Uh, so 
let me just say this. Our understanding in film and media of what a high school age kid looks like is so warped. I recently <laughs> learned, I recently learned that it's because they cast older actors because they don't have the same laws around when they're allowed to film. Yeah, that's a big thing. I think also, like, if you cast someone who's 21 as a high school student, they're going to look the same for like 10 years. Whereas true. if you cast like an actual 15 year old, they're just, you don't know what their body's going to do. This is true. Look at the We're, Harry Potter characters. I was yeah, going to say the might, Stranger Things kids, but sure. Yeah. They might accidentally get hot like Neville. <laughs> uh, Neville does get real hot. But they're all early to school and they take this uh, this opportunity to look around the school at all the different classrooms. And this is an episode where they're going to have to try to find a bomb later. Uh, spoiler, sorry. And so when they go to each classroom, your expectation is they'll have to go back to all these places to search for the bomb. Nope. <laughs> but we do get a nice tour. In fact, uh, again, slight spoiler warnings, we may never see these rooms again. Well, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> um, but the first room they discover is the simulation classroom, which is pretty wacky. Uh, it's got a tiny scale like city model in it with and little dioramas of murders inside so the scale is tiny the model is huge it's just completely beyond the pale of you would believe this exists huge it's a very detailed large scale model of the city right and they're like godzilla they're like godzilla in relation to the size of these buildings uh like peering in these tiny homes they they realize they can control the weather with knobs on the door Kinta gets wet and punches Q in the head, which is a recurring thing that happens. But we do have an idea that this school has a fairly large budget now. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, as a fairly prolific reader of young adult fiction, uh, which, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and admit that, um, (laughs) that part didn't surprise me. Like, I feel like that's kind of a staple of stories about teenagers, is this, like, they go to this school that has like way more resources than any school that has ever existed and nobody knows how they got them. So of course there'd be a model in a classroom that's like enormous. Yeah, because yeah, it's like murder Hogwarts. Right. So. Yeah, a little just bit, like yes. nobody knows where they get their funding and whatever. Uh, then they go to the martial arts practice room. Nothing really interesting happens in there. But it's just a, a boxing ring. It's just a boxing ring. Mm-hmm. Maybe, um, maybe large scale for a high school. And again, we're, we're laying all this out here as if it's going to be important later in the episode, and it's not. They even reference it later in the episode. Doesn't one of them say, like, oh, we could have gotten blown up in one of those classrooms? Then they go to the forensics lab. Where we have a corpse doll <laughs> for determining the time of death <laughs> on a thing that doesn't change. I don't get it. Mm. Yeah, it's a corpse that they used to practice determining the time of death. Q takes one look at it and is convinced it's a real corpse. I thought he was supposed to be a brilliant detective. I was thinking about this a lot. Like, is it like modular? Can they remove pieces and add pieces? Because otherwise, it would always be the same time of death every time with the same doll, right? I mean, this is clearly a state-of-the-art, realistic, life-type corpse doll that probably costs, you know, trillions. Besides, like, yeah, that's very morbid to be teaching kids. Um, Then they go to the special disguise room. So so, uh, there's specific references to things we've already seen. I'm trying to remember what they find in the disguise room. I I do remember getting distracted by the idea that there was a disguise room. (laughs) And I just found that in and of itself to be... I just wanted there to be like a very long montage of them in different disguises was basically (laughs) where I was at. Well, some anime, uh, especially in detective anime, these disguises can go beyond the pale of how you can actually be fooled. Like, 
you'll see like Detective or, or even like uh, Kaito Kid in yes. Detective Conan or uh, Lupin in Lupin the Third just rip off a completely convincing face to reveal their face beneath. Doesn't make any sense. Photorealistic masks. They could be different heights, different all the different features. Yeah, and then they take the mask off and oh, it's a Scooby Doo I mean, thing. That is also a plot point in the second Mission Impossible movie. So, you know, who's to say? It <laughs> who's is. To say? It is a plot point. But we see a hat and a very irresponsibly left behind open pack of cigarettes. Yeah, I know the classroom. Oh yes. Uh, that, okay, I remember that. That, that are to hint they belong to. Uh, what we assume is the disguise teacher that we've seen yes. sort of lurking around in previous episodes, more or less constantly in bad costumes, <laughs> like bad disguises. Well, there's also a cactus hat, and Megu picks it up and like is like, "What is this for?" And in episode two, the the teacher had disguised himself as a cactus. Ah, uh. in a suspect lineup, so it made no sense. Um, so yeah, that's the, the, that's a reference. We see his like white fedora ish hat on the table. Cause, and that's who uses the disguise room, I guess. They then are done with their tour, and they're going to be sorted into classes. There's an A class, B class, C class, D class, uh, depending on how you rank. Which is immediately a great way to get children to put each other down and like <laughs> yeah. other each other. Yeah. Is by, like, We're going to organize you by who did best. Yeah. But like, not entirely surprising, you know... That, that stuff happens in schools. Maybe not quite to that extent, but... Yeah. So they're going to be sorted in, and then the, the the old man comes in, who we learned at the end of last episode is the guy who founded the school, Don Morihiko, uh, and Cosma gives us a repeat of the, the stuff, some of the stuff about the school. And this is where we learn again, 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 um, that this is the only school in Japan where students are allowed to bear arms. Yeah, that was an interesting detail. <laughs> they have they have repeated it a lot every time they introduce us to the school they make sure to remind us of that here we're told oh it's so it's because he's such a legendary detective that he's able to have a school where the students can bear arms we don't even know what age these students are and we're gonna yeah, i don't know i don't know any 15 year olds that i would be comfortable with like a loaded gun no matter how trained they are <laughs> i know plenty of people uh who have guns that I'm not comfortable with having. Well, yes. yeah, that's also another podcast right it's here. another podcast. Yes. <laughs> so we're led to believe that they, they help the, the police out on various cases, and, and that's, I guess, part of that. Um, they're all looking for their names on all the lists, and there's tons of names on these lists of characters that I bet we're never going to see. Um, but oh. one, one we do see is Saburo Maru, who appears very briefly in this episode. You may even miss him mostly. Um, he made class A. Yes. Our privileged Is he child. the jerk? He's, He's the, the privileged jerk. jerk yes. Okay. I, the like 80s movie villain? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He literally, his theme song is literally like the Pink Panther theme, but bad. Yeah, that played again <laughs> here too. It's pretty distinctive. Da 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 da. And then, like, there's there, there's a notice going up that wasn't on the wall previously. It's a notice for Class Q. Guess what? All of our main characters have ended up, they're the only people on the list for Class Q. Including Q. Including Q. His name is Q. In our anime, Detective Academy Q. Um, it's all come full circle. And Q is excited about everything, so he, like, jumps at this. 
but nobody, everybody else is really confused about it. And this is about where the main plot of the episode really starts to kick in, because there's so, there's like a teacher standing around who's like unfolding a scroll or another piece of paper or something, and a slip of paper falls out onto the floor, and they bring it right to the headmaster. It's a note that's addressed to Don Morihiko, the legendary detective who runs this school, and it challenges him. It says, I'll give you hints. I've put three bombs in total on campus, and the first will go off at 8 a.m. Now, what, something I noticed here is he did not read this aloud. This is read in an anonymous weirdo voice. He's not speaking. His mouth isn't moving. <laughs> Students are circled around him, and they all read this note and all know what it says from impossible distances and angles. <laughs> and not only that, Q gets right behind him looks over his shoulder at his at at, uh, at Don's watch, which says 7.59. And then, then and of course, an explosion goes off because now it's 8 a.m. Naturally, what happens next? All of our main characters run straight to the source of the explosion. The note I've written here is, come on, children, let's run towards an explosion. <laughs> I mean, as one does. There's maybe one or two extra teachers at the scene, but other than that, it's like the characters that we have met who end up there. That just, like, insults the number of hours that I've spent in schools practicing fire drills. Like, I feel like that just flies in the face of all that safety training that I've worked on. I, I don't know. Right? So what say- are the emergency procedures here? Right? <laughs> you're saying as an educator, your response when danger happens in a school isn't to drag your class towards it. No, nor is it to solely entrust the children to solve it while I stand by. And they do several times say that they need to evacuate the students. We don't actually see them doing that. But they go off to look at the explosion. We briefly see a face menacingly looking in through blinds in a window. Very specifically, again, glasses. Very sinister glasses. That's yeah. a thing in this show. Like, are glasses evil to the author? I, I'm curious to see if like, we see a lot more villainous glasses in the future. I enjoyed the glasses. I liked that detail. I don't know that I enjoyed the villainous aspect of them, but I feel like, especially with cartoon characters, you don't always see glasses. And to give you a sense of like what kind of school they're running here, at first people's, the students are like, hey, maybe this is like a test or just a school activity. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to be reassured that, no, this is actually happening. Um, because some of the stuff they were subjected to in their entrance exams was like following a fake murderer uh, navigating over actually dangerous cliffs and bridges. So it wouldn't be out of the question, I guess, <laughs> for this to be staged by the school. And at this point, though, uh, Don actually like pretty much says you should all evacuate. Yes. But then they don't move or actually try to get anyone to evacuate. No. They just continue standing Yeah, around. no, they didn't try very hard on that. And then... This is, this, this is it for Saburo Maru because he runs away and we never see him again Right in the episode. Ever? Do we never see him again, I hope? He'll, he'll be back. No, he's, he's back in the very next episode. Uh, and Q, of course, is like, I want to help. I want to help. But very unexpectedly quickly, they've caught the culprit. They, yep, they got him. They caught him off camera, even. Right. And they bring him in. He tells us a lot of unhelpful things. He tells us that there's still two bombs left. He's challenging Don to find them, and he tells him that this is your test for rejecting me. I don't think we ever learn more than that about why this guy is angry. I would like to have seen him. Like, we spent two episodes at that exam. I would like to have seen him there doing badly, right? It seems like it's farther back than that, but there's no explanation here. Why did you reject me? Why did you reject me? And then they're they're standing next to a fountain, the like the people that caught the culprit, all our main characters, the teachers and what the, that are there at the scene, and the statue explodes. 
and they're all kind of knocked to the ground. And this guy is just screaming, why did you reject me? And Don tells him very confidently, I'll tell you when the third bomb fails to explode because I'm going to stop it or whatnot. Also, overall, like an overwhelming second bomb. Like they were right next to it and all it blew up was a statue and no one was really hurt. Right. No one checks to see if anyone's hurt. They talk about how dangerous it was, but they were standing right next to it and nobody is hurt. And no one's eardrums burst, which is an overlooked detail that would happen during an explosion. Right? Yes. It's very implausible, but they're expecting another bomb to go off in 10 minutes. So again, they're like, all right, we're going to evacuate the students. He specifically is like, that's in order and makes no no move to make them leave. In fact, meanders away, if I recall correctly. Yes. They walk away and leave our four main characters standing there. Next to the where the explosion was, yes. Right. This is where I wrote that Megu said something like, we explored all these classrooms and now they're going to be destroyed before we even get to use them. And... Q says, well, we can find the bomb first. Also, like, so far we've seen one bomb that maybe blew up a room and one bomb that blew up, like, a statue. So I feel like if there's one bomb left, we have to expect it's, like, exponentially more than the other bombs to, like, be so distraught about this next bomb. That brings me to something else, which is, like, it's amazing that with this plot of the episode that there's never really a sense of danger. Which is good because, like, we don't want to feel like these children are in real danger. Um, but it's just not there. So they're, they're going to try to find the bomb. And then they have a very calm chat about it. They just chat. There's ten minutes. Ten minutes till <laughs> the bomb goes off. Still not evacuated. So now Q starts to switch on his I'm going to tell you what's going on. I'm going to figure out this murder thing that he does. And he decides that the culprit got caught intentionally in order to get close to Don, who's his real target. And that's why he detonated the first bomb, to make sure that that he would be there. Um, But the question they're asking is, why did he set the bomb off so close right next to him? My question is, how did he know they were going to be standing next to the fountain? And how did he successfully make sure he was apprehended there? Yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces there. (laughs) Like... If he could orchestrate that level of detail, maybe he should have been let into the school. I don't know. Well, who knows? Uh, the other thing we le- notice right now, I hadn't noticed, but Kazuma's hat has been missing off of his head you, since that explosion went off. You didn't notice that one of uh, Beanie Hacker's two character traits has been blown <laughs> off his head? I did not notice that the, the hat was missing until they pointed it out. But they find it right away, uh, attached to his backpack. And that's where it was the whole time. And... I don't know if this is ever explained. For some reason, that seems to, like, give Q a hint. Yeah, I thought that was going to be a bigger detail than it was. Well, I'll, I'll maybe hammer it home once you've gotten to that point, because there's it, like, makes sense in the vagueish sort of anime nonsense way. <laughs> but yeah, so this is the part where he's he drops, you know, his hint of his, There's two hints. Yes. Uh, it's a lousy catchphrase, let's be real. Well, it limits the murders that they can have, because these are murders that always have exactly two hints. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what? Do you, do you have a question, Kate? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So every mystery on this show has exactly two hints? No, I mean, there's other things. There's other details. But when he explains it, he's like, there are two hints. What, what's it? What's the phrase? Hint of futats. Uh, you know, it's the light waving in the air and the bungee rope. It's the... That the lake was, that they were close to the lake, and that the temperature was freezing. And then there's other things in his explanation. Are we sure that Q isn't manufacturing all of these mysteries (laughs) himself? Because that seems a little too neat and tidy to me. 
any any fictional detective that goes on long enough just ends up near too many mysteries yes. that you wouldn't normally suspect they orchestrated them anyway. This mm. is yeah, we we've brought up Murder She Wrote before. That's something that came up on Murder She Wrote because she lives in a tiny town that's like the murder capital of the world because there's just murders happening there once a week and everywhere she goes on vacation there's a murder happening and that happens as well um i did read some summaries that's going to happen to our characters they're going to go like on a school trip and a murder's going to happen of course because if you're on a detective school and you go to school trip murder's going to happen i mean whereas it in oh go ahead no i just it sounds like they're seeking it out and or maybe causing this to happen and i feel like if a murder happened on just one school trip uh, when I was a kid, I probably would have been in therapy for a while. <laughs> yeah. No, but but they signed up for it. Oh, well, then it's fine. Where are their parents? Like, why? This is this is my problem with most stories that focus on only teenagers and some, like, uh, Dumbledore-esque school figure is, like, if they have parents... Harry Potter doesn't have parents, but if these kids had parents... No way would they be allowed to do all of this stuff. Well, the only parent we've met so far is Q's very tired mother. She's very tired of everything about Q. So she just lets him go be near bombs all day? <laughs> she didn't want him to go to the school, but she realized she couldn't stop him. He was so gung-ho about it. There's some reason that she has for that she doesn't want him to be a detective, which we haven't learned yet. But it's interesting because I was thinking of our school leader, Don, as like a Professor Xavier type. Yes. Because... Because he's in a wheelchair well, and he like brings yeah. these school oh. students together. Oh, I didn't think about the wheelchair Xavier connection. Ooh. But but I think Dumbledore is also a good analog because Dumbledore is famous for endangering children. Yeah, it's this is also another. We have a lot of podcasts we need to do on these tangents, <laughs> but another podcast is the problematic nature of Dumbledore putting people in harm harm's way. Yeah. So he's got a he's got a little bit of Professor X and a little bit of Dumbledore in him. I think Professor X in the X-Men comics, they explore more often that concept than they really got to in the Harry Potter books. They'll often like bring him to terms with the way he used the children and put them in danger. Now let's let's actually let's return to these two hints. The other thing I noted about this is uh we were talking in our previous episode about the, the the sense of urgency and how they play with it is so often this show. Sometimes they can stop and talk about things. Sometimes Q is like, I'll tell you later, just trust me. After having that just casual chat, now they are running as they have this conversation, running through the um very long road along the the trees that we saw earlier (laughs) easy to animate tree path yes (laughs) and the the i think the music is playing at this point maybe or maybe not so the two hints are that the bomb went off right next to the culprit and the second hint was your hat right and there's only five minutes left they get there and and they're they're like wait you haven't evacuated we said we thought we evacuated all the students (laughs) they've uh they've rejoined uh, don and the teacher who's by his side the the woman who wears glasses katagiri shino who's kind of like the second in command it seems at the school very much a mcgonagall type Mm. except that she her her main task thus far this episode has been to push don's chair around that's all she's done thus far she's always by his side it seems so they get there and they're like we're gonna search this wheelchair because the bomb was planted on you. Uh, are you carrying anything strange? This is when the mystery-solving theme starts playing. Right, so this is where the hat was maybe the thing that made him think. Like, because 
we thought that it was elsewhere, but it was on your person the whole time. I see. It was so on that's your why person like, the whole time. Oh, they must have planted the bomb on uh, Don Sensei. So let's, like, without asking, just start feeling him up. Right. Because they come yeah. to the conclusion that the third bomb was planted during the second explosion. The second explosion was covered for that to bring them all together. And they they lift this man in a wheelchair out of the wheelchair. This part made me uncomfortable. Yeah, it was very aggressive searching of him. They, they, they like lifted him up by his armpits. They weren't like, do you want to check your jacket, <laughs> Don no. Sensei? They were like, let, let me help the old feeble man up and, and touch his stuff. And Q is inspecting the inside of his coat and his like forehead is resting on this man's chest as he looks in there. It's very strange and unusual. And as an educator, I would not be okay with that. It would make me extremely uncomfortable. Maybe if, like, the episode was giving us that sense of urgency, like, if we really felt like a bomb was about to explode, maybe we'd be like, maybe it would make more sense. At the very least, let the other adult who's present participate in the search. And he can search himself. Right. You missed this last episode. He used his watch grappling hook to nearly grapple his way out of a ravine. Oh, I was wondering about that, actually. They show, like, a flashback of it, and I was like, how was he in, like, a <laughs> on, like a hiking trip when he's in a wheelchair? I was very confused. He was placed there as a decoy to try to get people to waste time, but they realized he was a plant and ignored him, but then came back to save him, if that helps clear things up. Uh, I'm, if possible, more confused, but that's all right. <laughs> it was a test to see if the children's morals would accidentally keep them from uh, being cold and logical, I guess. The idea being that they should be cold and logical over having morals? That seems to be the case. That seems to be the case. case. Oh, no. They've they've finished patting down this old man, and they're like, oh, okay, now there's only one minute left. Where could it be? We get a shot of, I think, it's Megu's watch, which is super cute. Did you notice that? I did not. It's like a seal with a birthday hat on the face of the watch, um, telling us that there's one minute left. And Q repeats uh, what was told to him in the previous episode by Don. If a detective gives up, the case might never be solved. I have a lot of feelings about that phrase. I feel like that is an unfair um, expectation to put on detectives who are not 15-year-old boys who apparently solve every (laughs) mystery with two clues. Um, (laughs) You know, real-life crime doesn't always have a a solution yeah this is something that happened well it happens in real life too but it it happens a lot well there was a there was a tv show called cold cases right Mm -hmm. but this kind of sense of like well they just stopped looking sort of thing right i feel like tv crime and mysteries make it seem like everything always gets solved and that's not the case Mm -hmm. unfair expectations on detectives and then they snap on something they're like wait a second this te- the the other teacher uh katagiri shino our mcgonagall has been with you this whole time mm-hmm. she's always there she like was always by your side um so maybe they planted it on her and they they're trying to figure out what's different about her is it just me or did it take them an inordinate amount of time to get to that like <laughs> yes, i feel like that was true. the next obvious like he even said the sensei even says it at the end like he realized it immediately. I don't understand why these brilliant child detectives didn't realize that immediately. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, but the the exact thing isn't obvious. Megu uses her photographic memory. Yes. Uh, Megu has a, uh, a photographic memory, which is, I'm going to keep saying, a real skill that real people have. <laughs> no, it's not. Stop rolling your eyes. <laughs> 
you're right. So she, she saw that when uh, Sheena was c- carrying her notebook earlier in the day, she had one pen, but now she has two pens. Um, and that seemed to happen after the explosion. So Kinta is going to solve this problem. He grabs the notebook out of her hand and throws it in the air. And they literally are like, why did you throw that straight in the air? Okay, wait. <laughs> Can we go back for one second to the two pens? Because I'd yes, like yes. to know the logistics of how during an explosion, when apparently everyone's fine and it has no effect on your physical body, this criminal managed to release himself from custody, put a pen directly into a notebook exactly where it was supposed to be, and then not be noticed in the matter of what, like five seconds? What if she hadn't dropped her notebook? He would have just had an explosive pen. I just, the logistics are off to me. It happens off screen, so we don't have to worry about whether or not it made sense. Uh, we're just told it does. Yeah. Uh, they, they definitely all fell to the ground and they all dropped things. I think I did notice in the first time I watched it that she had dropped her notebook. Um, and so I was kind of looking for that later. Of course, I didn't notice that there was an extra pen. <laughs> the, the, they've done that a few times now where there's these like little tiny things that change. And it's a good way to justify having a character who has a photographic memory, but it's pretty tough for someone who's like watching this on TV to 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 try to get ahead of the game. Yeah. This the book is thrown straight into the air and of course it lands on the ground right in front of them. So it's pretty convenient that nothing explodes. Yes, nothing happens. So uh Don takes the book and he's like, Oh, this pen is the one you were talking about? Well, we already removed the bomb from that, of course. I figured out what was going on. And, like, looking back, now it makes more sense why he didn't say anything if he wanted to see if they could solve it. But that's still a really cruel trick to play on children. Like, <laughs> oh, you think I'm going to die? Teehee, let's see if you figure it out. That's the Dumbledore in him coming out. And maybe maybe it's, just, maybe it's okay that he didn't evacuate them because he knew they weren't in danger. Also, like, so the logistics of this. They remove the bomb from the pen and then slip it back in her notebook but then are surprised the children are still there. But clearly, the only reason they would keep this pen that had a bomb in it that's evidence is to try to see if someone else figures it out, right? Like, why Right. Did- he was, like, doing it. He was, he was setting up a test. And then the cherry blossoms start to fall. And cherry music <laughs> plays. And everyone is, like, laughing and having a good time. <laughs> we thought we were going to die. <laughs> and you did this to us. But it's funny. Um, and then we get this, this guy that appears right here is the disguise teacher. So he was, like, disguised as a tree, like, blending in with a tree, and he pops away from the tree and tells us, the audience, I was the one who removed the bomb. Wink. Okay, I was so confused by that. (laughs) I just have to say, I had no idea who that guy was supposed to be. I feel like they were just like, if we wait a whole episode without him doing anything, people will forget who he is. So let's drop him in for like a hot second to yeah. remind everyone he exists. So that's the that's the teacher who likes to disguise himself. So far, he has disguised himself as a cactus uh, inside of a, a panda costume and as a signpost in the woods. Not behind a sign, but he wore a sign as, and, as a costume. Yes. Sure. And now, so now here he like disguised himself as a tree for why? To appear for the audience and give us exposition. I think that's definitely something to look out for. Like, of all the things that people will be able to follow in the show, catching it just episode by episode, no one's going to be able to make heads or tails of this guy appearing out of nowhere and being a weirdo. 
and we've pretty much wrapped up the plot, but there's like a couple things they've got to set up now for future episodes. Well, first, there we have a very specific moment after, uh, like, I remove the bomb and we're all like happy, like where everybody gets like a 10 second weird cut in pose that I was, I, I, I was like, they just had a no, minute worth of show left. To that's fill. later, isn't it? After they get their notebooks. Oh, that's true. That's true. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. No, it's it's good. We're almost there. Um, but they, they got to find their, their special, special classroom because they're in class Q. Yes. So he's like, I'm going to take you to the classroom. And they're like, we're walking very far away through this weird, dark forest <laughs> away from the main campus. And the first thing they say when they see their, their classroom is it looks like a haunted house and that it's a mystery in and of itself because it is like this big old mansion-y thing. But they're, like, excited about it. Q, Q is, excited is excited about it. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> he is excited about anything. He, that's his, that's his thing. Yeah. He's always upbeat and excited about things. And they get in there, and, and Don gives them some, like, background, and we learn a little bit more about him. He retired from being the police in the police 40 years ago because he had doubts about them, the methods there. And then he set up like becoming a private investigator in this building where Class Q will now have their classes. We're all private investigators who just quit their jobs that start out a giant mansion. Right. I don't. I wonder what that was like. Their classroom now <laughs> is like an empty classroom with four desks and a chalkboard, like four school desks in it. That's just in this whole building by themselves. For for why? Yeah, like he's expressing the sentimentality and like we're not sure if they're getting special you're great treatment or special please don't be seen by the other student body treatment. <laughs> or could it be both? <laughs> it's, it's weirdly layered as both in a nonsensical kind of way. And that's very much a theme of the next episode we'll be watching is that kind of tension between them and some of the other students. We cut then to, to Don's big speech where he's like, I'm going to, he's got all the students in the auditorium and he's like, I'm going to pass on what I learned. Which I thought was blown up with the first bomb. I thought specifically the first bomb blew up the ceremony. Like the, the- As far as we can tell, the first bomb didn't blow up anything. <laughs> I thought that, that that was a flashback to a previous, like, oh no, because they say at the beginning that they're going to have the ceremony later. Uh, okay. I thought it was, it was weird the way it was edited together. I thought they were like flashing yes. back to that. It, it is weird because he's like talking to them as a, individually as a class and then it blends right into him talking to everybody in the auditorium. So it's right. they, there is no setup in terms of whether it's later or earlier. And he's like, to, give, to, to prove that you are part of DDS, I'm giving you this notebook. Just a notebook. <laughs> and well, but it has the DDS logo on it. Yes, it's very shiny. And this is why I accidentally jumped ahead because there were two very plot important notebooks and I saw Notebook and I jumped ahead to Notebook. Right. Because the Notebook was a big deal in this episode and now they all get their own detective Notebook. Yeah. Then we cut away to each of them posing in front of a background with their name, like a colorful background with just their name on it. Yeah. And I'm just like, did you have a minute of this show left? And you're like, we're, we're out of plot. I would have found that helpful at the beginning. I'm just going to go ahead and say that as someone yeah. new to this show, I feel like that should have come at the beginning of the episode. Yep. So, and that's, that's really the end of the episode. Uh, we get to the, the end song, which I usually skip. Kate, what's the likelihood you stuck around after the credits and after the next week on? Oh, no, I stopped as soon as the end song came on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't warn you, but 
in these first four episodes, so the the end credits play and the ending song plays, and then there's a next week on where they set up next week's murder. Uh, We'll tease that a bit too and tell you what's going to happen next week. And then after that, they've been doing these short little story vignettes featuring a character who's clearly a main character because he's in the opening song that we haven't met yet. We know his name is Ryu. We know he's solving detective mysteries in New York City with this girl who speaks very bad English. Right, a little girl whose name is Kate, uh, who's blonde. He's in New York City. So the last last episode, she like tricked him into coming to a party where she made him a cake. And this episode, he's leaving, and she's like crying after him and running through the middle of New York this, City calling his name. No one knows this frustrates me because she's running, like I guess iconically, through Central Park in New York City, but he's leaving on a plane. Which she sees flying overhead. The New York City airport is nowhere it's not in the city it, it almost looks like she's running through Times square right like she's very directionlessly running through the city for no reason like she's not going to run to the <laughs> airport to stop him uh but we're led to believe that rio is leaving new york <laughs> so i don't know if i could this is also something that's pretty baffling because right it's like at the end of the episode where no one's going to see it and then it's six seconds long so oh, yeah. it's a very quick sequence of everything scenes. we just explained happens in six seconds <laughs> guys and that's how they're introducing this entire character's like life these <laughs> clips are based on my real life experiences and i just requested that they hide them at the end of the episodes surprise they want us to look forward to this character or maybe they knew they were going to put him in the opening and he wasn't going to be in the show so they wanted to represent him in some way but it's so baffling maybe Um, they want it to be like an easter egg for people that stick around long enough to watch it yeah I, i guess yeah they beat marvel to it they did yeah this is what i'm saying wait did they how long have those movies been going on uh, Iron Man was in 2008. Uh, this is okay. from 2003. Yeah, so they beat them to it. Yeah, so that wraps up the episode. Um, next time, we're dealing with the first case that they get involved with as students. Uh, Ryu makes a, a bit of a cameo at the beginning of the episode. Then they'll go off to solve this murder. They'll have some interpersonal conflicts. Um, and we get our very our second dying message they'll yes there's an explicit dying message that they'll talk about uh pretty exciting stuff so let's let's kind of look back on what we just saw and just talked about oh boy um what well let's talk about this school kate so you are an educator you also are someone who was at one point like considering maybe a detecting type line of work would you have gone to this school as your high school if if you had the option I mean, if you're asking me if I would have decided to go when I was 15, I mean, hell yeah, that's, (laughs) that's like, this is like the fantasy of all teenagers, right? A place without, with limited adult supervision, (laughs) where you get to like hold weapons and solve mysteries. It's a dream. Right. It's like kids are watching this at home and then going to crime scenes and being like, (laughs) showing their notebook and being like, (laughs) let me in. I saw it on TV. But, but, uh. It's it's definitely an out there school, and not, we we've already decided this is in a slightly odd version of Tokyo that yeah. looks like our real world, but is slightly different. Well, also like the the crime, like the solving crimes and persecuting people for crimes situation in Japan is very weird. Detectives are maybe more important because like if you get arrested for something. They've got like a 99% prosecution right. uh, rate. Like you're probably going to prison whether or not you did it if you get arrested. So the emphasis on solving things like 
at that moment that we see in these shows is like because if you get arrested for the murder you're probably going to jail for it well that's terrifying it, yeah it, it's something um but it is it is interesting because there are like some levels at which some of the stuff they're doing there could be done in an actual school forensics classes sure is the main thing when i was in eighth grade i opted there's there's a bunch of elements here i opted out of taking spanish because it was just being introduced and instead we were in like a kind of english um like in english enrichment thing where we were doing additional english type activities in order to make it interesting our, our teacher decided that we would do a research paper on serial killers uh, everyone would research a serial killer and go through, you know, like research and um, citing your sources and all those things. And we all started to work on the project. And then clearly someone realized it was a bad idea. And it's like, nope, we're not doing that anymore. Because there's like some level at which it's like not too disturbing and is appropriate for a child to research that thing. But that at a certain level, you're like, and he chopped up all his victims and fed it to his dog. Yeah. Like, let me, I'll go ahead and say this. I've talked psychology and AP psychology. And as someone who is fascinated by serial killers and all the like forensic psychology stuff, I was so excited to get to that unit because I find it so interesting. And the very first day that I taught that unit ever, I was so horrified at having to describe to students what had happened. I'm like sitting or standing, looking at a sea of like young faces, telling them about how like so-and-so took the skin off his victims and this guy cut them up and put them under his floorboards. And I was just like, what am I exposing these children to? It's terrible. Right. Imagine if that was all you did at school all the time. Yeah, no. That's DDS. As a kid, I would have thought that was amazing. As an adult, I am absolutely horrified. (laughs) and it's interesting because one of the things we've saw in the first episode which hasn't really resurfaced yet because we haven't added any more bodies it's how uh, this guy fell we're spoiling our past episodes catch up uh this guy (laughs) fell off of a crane and there was no gore or anything so this is like targeted at a young-ish audience and they're taking these things and making it appropriate for that audience in some ways leading to these like incongruities we're probably not gonna get any gruities sorry yeah we're probably not gonna get any like skin flaying right i would hope not you and i don't usually go for the more intense like graphic gory animes but there certainly are some out there where there would be serial killers and like bloodiness and and things like that for sure i mean if you want to pass the names on of those maybe it'll be my gateway into anime well, there is a very nonsense anime this season. I talked about it a little bit before. Uh, the Case Files of Lord Ilmaloy II, which is like a spinoff of like a grander uh, anime universe, but it's fine by itself. And basically this guy who's a big time teacher at a magic school uh, goes to be a detective and all the magic murders are nonsense. And also very graphically, like one of the cases was about like this ritual that was performed by scattering body parts around a mansion in the right uh, pattern so there are shows like we'll, that we'll get there we'll we'll look at some of that stuff i'm sure in the in the, in the grand scheme of things it's it's either that or a thousand episodes of detective conan <laughs> so what are your like overarching thoughts did w- you enjoy watching this did you put up with it w- where do we where do we go from here where did we end up i don't know i'm still putting together my thoughts i definitely enjoyed watching it for the purposes of then discussing it later Yes. Um, 
I enjoyed that part. Is it a show that I feel like I'm going to sit down and watch, you know, subsequent episodes? I don't know. I, I feel like potentially to listen to more episodes of your podcast, but... Well, we hope you do that for sure. Um, yeah, we'll keep an eye out. We'll certainly make sure to highlight like good episodes of this show or more interesting episodes of this show for people. I do say, right, like we t- talked at the very beginning, is this a good show? Are we enjoying it? It is It is a lot of fun to discuss it. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. That's maybe why we zeroed in on it. We were yeah. like, what fun this would be to talk about? There's there's something, there's some interesting things going on here. Um, and, and in most of these... D- d- detective animes as well i mean the whole premise of detective conan which we will one day explain in detail to our listeners but not yet um is is kind of offbeat and a little out there and and that's the long-running detective series that is still going in almost at a thousand episodes yeah so thanks for being on the podcast do you have anything that you want to plug as we're kind of closing up here I mean, uh i mentioned at the beginning that i do have my own education podcast um I am woefully uh, uh, behind on editing episodes. However, you can still find it uh, on any sort of podcasting, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those sites. Uh, It's called Blue Sky Ed. And yeah, it's just conversations with me and other educators about our experiences. I'm trying to include a variety of different people. So I talk to teachers and also... You know, I had uh, an improv teacher and uh, some people who work in like recruitment and administration and some other areas. So feel free to check that out. Yeah, definitely check it out just to search for Blue Sky Ed in those podcasting. Yeah, Blue Sky Ed. And then I also um, I'm trying to promote stuff on Instagram. Uh, So my Instagram handle is at Blue Sky Ed cast. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing that angle on things. Uh, we're we're sorry you had to cringe through all of that poorly run school <laughs> stuff. Um, and but we were really glad to have you on for this episode. Um, we knew there would be some opportunity to talk about that stuff as well as the the crazy mystery stuff. Um, right. So we're covering episode five of Detective School Q next. We kind of gave you a hint of what to look for there. So, you know, if, you're, if you've been watching along for us, that's what you'll need to watch to keep up with us uh, when that comes out next week. Moving along, more podcast episodes. So if you liked what you heard and want to listen to more and support the podcast, there are so many ways you can do that. I really should narrow it down, but social media is great. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh, wherever you got this podcast, subscribe and review us. We're up on Stitcher, Podchaser, and SoundCloud. More will come out probably before this episode is released. Uh, and you'll know that because you listened to this wherever that was. Um, we're also soliciting your thoughts and opinions on these things. If there was something in an episode that we didn't talk about that you want to bring to our attention or other thoughts, you have other mystery anime out there that you like, send us an email at dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a note on social media. Uh, We'll definitely bring up some of that stuff on future episodes. And hey, if maybe if you have like a cute little mystery or riddle, like send it to us. Maybe we'll solve it. That could be fun. to solve it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like that idea. I'll keep you around. (laughs) Thanks. I live here. (laughs) Yeah, this show is really just getting started. Someday we will be doing other Detective Anime uh, shows as well. There's only 45 episodes of Detective Academy Q, but I'm excited to see where it goes and and what happens with our mysteries and uh, this little podcast we've got. So yeah, that, that pretty much closes it for today. But I do have to ask Kate before we go, 
you solved a mystery of where your cats were disappearing to. What, I did. What happened with that? Um, so I adopted two cats with a massive amount of anxiety. You, the cats had the, the anxiety cats had or the, you well, had anxiety when you were- I also had the anxiety. I think I was drawn to them for that reason. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and they, because of this, uh, hid constantly when I first brought them home. And most of their hiding spots were, you know, like places that I could locate them fairly easily. But there was one morning that I came downstairs and I could not find them anywhere. I looked, I mean, I've had cats like jump to the top of the kitchen cabinets, some crazy places. I looked everywhere I could think of and I could not find them. So I'm like sitting down talking on the phone with my mom and I start to hear this like kind of scratchy sound behind me. And to, to, to make this picture more clear, we have a sofa in our living room that sits flush against the wall, but the back of it is like very slightly angled so that there's maybe like an inch or two max of room at the bottom between the sofa and the wall. And the two cats had wedged themselves, like crawled all the way back, probably six or eight feet from the opening where they got in behind the couch. And were just wedged in there, like hanging out. And I had to pull the whole couch out and like get them to come out of there. And that was how I solved the mystery of where the cats were. The places cats jam themselves into absolutely uh, trigger something. They're like cockroaches. And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Episode 3, in which we first have serious doubts about a famous detective's educational credentials. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve That Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Kate Esposito. Coming up, what does it look like when high school students are sent to solve a murder? Will our heroes learn to work together? What is Kazuma's favorite sandwich? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note. The Dying Message. Um, and we've referenced Yu-Gi-Oh! GX before, but there's a ranking system there where they're sorted by how good they are, and you move up or don't move up. They're even color-coded on that show, so it's like a huge status thing. Right. Yikes. I don't I don't know that you'd even be able to start on the educational nonsense. I mean, yeah, we could launch into this in a show where they're teaching card dueling. <laughs> well, that's another podcast. That's another podcast.